Strategy. Design. Marketing. UX. Digital. Development. This is Agencies That Build. This show is dedicated to leaders and teams that design and deploy in the digital world. My name is Jesse, and I'm a marketer and an agency owner. And I'm Maroon. I'm not a marketer, but a coder and an agency partner. This show is sponsored by Together We Ship. On a mission to help agencies grow. All right. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. This is it. Rock on. Varun, my friend, how are you? I'm doing awesome. How are you? I'm doing awesome as well. I believe before I introduce our guest, I'm wearing a pretty fancy shirt for this recording today. So just figured I'd share that with everybody. You are looking very nice and casual per usual. So, but it came out from the workout. There you go. (laughs) I'm glad you're at your house and not here then. (laughs) All right. So today's guest, ready for this? Nationally recognized user experience expert, speaker, writer, author uh, of CSS for print design, serial entrepreneur, serving as a director of startups, civic groups, and universities, owner and CEO of Simple Focus, software who is also the owner of about 800 other companies as well that i have listed sifter curated.co uh among a few others jd grafham welcome to the show hey everybody (laughs) that was such a nice bio it sounds like something i'd write about myself i mean it is about yourself oh yeah i did write that yeah so all right coming back let's start off with a myth that you'd like to smash so, oh gosh, yeah, yes, tell me something you want bogus strategy, misconception, something you'd like to set the record straight on. Okay, you think that sending me your Calendly link is helpful and makes my life easier, and so it's like better all around, and it's actually a completely crappy experience most of the time. Um, Calendly links are usually junk unless you're using them for like a sales team that's like dedicated to like keeping it up. Cause I can't tell you it, at least 50% of the time when somebody sends me their Calendly link, Jesse and others, <laughs> I, 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 I just, I look at it and I grumble to myself like a grumpy old man and I book the meeting with whatever works and I figure it out. And then I pop on that meeting two weeks later or whatever, and the other person isn't there. They're just not there. And uh, they either send me an email at the last minute or I send them an email like, I'm like, where are you at? And, and like maybe, you know, four hours later, they will respond, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I didn't update my calendar and I'm actually in the mountains camping with my kids this weekend. Like, I don't, you know, I, look, go have a nice time with your family. Don't send me a calendar link. Mm-hmm. You're not going to keep your calendar up and it happens way too often. So unless you're really going to manage your calendar link, just, just take the extra couple of minutes to book with somebody. It's just a bad look when you screw it up. It's a really bad look and it really sets me off. Yeah, I could see that. Mm. <laughs> Seeing as I am a victim to that a couple of times <laughs> here. Yeah, it happens. It yeah. happens. It's an interesting, I mean, they can be, if used correctly, though, I do believe they can be a really useful sales tool in the right hands. Right. 
you know, obviously anything used correctly that way. Right. And, and not to be like that guy, but like, But you're going to be. I'm going to be, there was, there was, there was some bro that wanted to like apply for a job at simple focus. Mm hmm And I was like, when do you want to talk? Let's get on, let's get on a video. And he was like, just take my calendar. I'm like, Oh, homie, no. homie. <laughs> like, no. He's like, you book whatever time you want. Right. And I get on there and it's like, it, the, the name is like, uh, 20 minute consult with Brett or whatever. I'm like, I don't want a 20 minute consult with Brett. You're interviewing for a job with me, homie. You know what? I'm not going to hire you. So riddle me this, you, a man who runs uh, five plus companies or has started multiple companies, right? As, as a busy person, how do you manage your time? How do you make time for all of this? Gnomes. <laughs> I, 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 I'm just speechless. That was a great answer. All right. No, so, but, but really. Seriously, seriously, seriously. My, uh, my calendar is crazy. Hmm. I have, I have, um, a bunch of different businesses and a bunch of different people that need me when they need me. And so, um, First thing I did is I just blocked off parts of my calendar. It says JD out. And there's people that are like, hey, your calendar says you're out. Are you really out? <laughs> and they know, you know, and they're the VIPs, right? That's fine. Mm. But for the most part, I just block off like most of Monday and Friday. And Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday are crazy. I stack all my regular meetings either on Tuesdays or Thursdays and then Wednesdays or where everything else gets squeezed in. But my calendar is crazy. I don't manage my calendar 75% of the time. So 75% of the time I delegate that to my assistant and I have a, uh, like a, a, a dedicated assistant, a remote virtual assistant um, named Catherine who works for one of the companies I own called delegated.com. Mm -hmm. And, um, what we, what we do at delegated is we just provide, you know, uh, virtual assistants to do tasks and things like that, calendaring and things like that. But, um, you know, since we're in the U S and we're dealing with like big dollar clients, most of the time, you know, we wanted somebody college educated in the U S to kind of run my calendar for me and, and do all that kind of stuff. So that's what delegate is really good at. Um, so I don't outsource it to somebody who doesn't really know me. Like Catherine and I have a relationship and she knows me and she's just like part-time for me. And she's got, you know, a handful of other clients that she takes care of as well. Um, but delegated is, is part of the solution. So I think that absolutely outsourcing your calendar to a human is super helpful, but don't just do it like you do your Calendly and don't give them any information to work off and, and don't let them get to know you. Like you really need to find a service or a person who gets to know you and knows your preferences, but also can pick up when someone's a VIP or when somebody's just kind of a nag, you know, and prioritize them, you know, appropriately. So this person doesn't need to meet me in the next three to five weeks. So let's just push them out. But somebody needs to hop on this afternoon. Let's find a way to make it work and then reschedule everything so that I don't have to. The thing that Calendly can't do that a human can do is realize that this is a VIP that's trying to schedule and, and can 
double book and overbook things and then push other people out. Right. Like, Certainly. um, and you do that all very politely, but you know, the Calendly is just like, you know, ones and zeros. Yeah. Hiring a virtual assistant is something that I have had challenge with, I don't know, for so many years. I think partially because I integrated my personal and work emails together. Mm-hmm. Now I'm, you know, trying to just segregate it. Hopefully next six months, I would be at the point where personal is separate than business. Yeah. And that's when this is the next challenge I have. So yeah. for me, one of the things that I, I would say about me is that I'm, I'm busy personally and, and professionally. So Catherine is actually a personal assistant as well as an executive assistant for me. So she helps, you know, uh, you know, send flowers if I need to send flowers or schedule a cleaning service or whatever. Um, uh, she, she helps me with, you know, landscapers and things like that too. Um, but Catherine's not the only like bullet in the revolver. Um, there's a lot of other stuff that's that like I've been working on for 12 years to make my life where I can live this way and not have to work 60 hours a week. And that is, um, having people you trust on your team who can, um, you know, run the day to day of the business for you. I've got, um, two people at simple focus, the agency who run the day to day and handle the bulk of the inbound sales and manage the team and the culture and everything. And they do a fantastic job and, you know, they're basically mom and dad to the agency employees. Uh, Delegated has its own leadership team of three people who handle HR operations and recruiting. Um, You know, and and my software team has a, you know, uh, uh, basically what amounts to GM, product managers and marketing managers that kind of work as a team to run the business. And I get to be the CEO floating around working on kind of either putting out fires or working on what I want to work on the um the the really cool thing about it is that um i've been really lucky like i don't feel like i've earned (laughs) the people but the the way that happens is just i i don't know i guess i'm kind of born this way i'm a natural delegator like i don't have a problem letting go of control so i'm always like yeah y'all figure it out let me know how it goes put my brain on it let me know how do you, that's actually a good point I want to talk about for a minute, because I think that's something that agency people, people who start agencies in particular can struggle with. And how do you, because they're either not a natural born leader, mm-hmm. um, they start as an expert in a task and have grown from that versus someone who started and had a vision and built out of that. Mm-hmm. You know, as, are there tips or tricks that you use to teach people to be better delegators? Um, yeah, I think it's, it's not a tip or trick, uh, or an insight. Yeah, there's, well, there's, there's just a concept you need to know. And then there is a tip or trick, I think. So let's start with a tip or trick. A long time ago, I read a book called bit literacy by Mark Hurst. This thing changed my life and I use his to-do list and the bulk of his methodology just to keep my inbox clean. So the gist is, if it's a to-do and it's in the inbox, don't leave it in your inbox, get it into a to-do list. And then keep, stay on top of your inbox so it doesn't bog you down like emotionally or intellectually, right? Mm-hmm. But, but I would say check out Bit Literacy. That's a huge tip or trick. Tip and or trick. That's and a good one. His to-do list is such 
old crappy software and I'm like such a like a tech guy and a designer and I'm still using this because it just works for me and it isn't about the technology or the innovation or how slick it is. The fact is it ain't broke. It's very simple and it works for me, right? So find that like and I don't tell people they got to do bit literacy, but you if you have 64,568 e unread emails in your inbox, you can go home and deal with that and then come back to work, right? Like or just, unsubscribe. <laughs> That's what that all, button's for. Unsubscribe. Select, select all and delete. Um, yeah. but you can't you can't I don't think you can be high velocity and productive and not stressed out. If you live your life like that. Now there's people that are happy with big crappy inboxes. Don't get me wrong. But like, you know, if you live your life like that, you don't have a clear head, right? You need to keep a clear head, keep things simple, stay on top. That's the tip or trick. But the, the big idea or concept that I really drill into the team is probably one of the most important economic concepts in the world. And I don't mean economics like just money. I just mean like capital E economics that you would study in school, just the way the world works, right? Uh, in society and exchange of value. The concept is opportunity cost. And there's people who are like, what's opportunity? I've heard of that. What's opportunity cost? And there's people that are like, oh, I know what opportunity cost, you know? I know what that means. But like, whether you kind of already understand it or whether you're hearing about it for the first time, if you take it to the next level of understanding, you will realize that opportunity cost is the single most important economic concept that there is because you have to decide what's the most important thing you need to be working on and then kind of brutally focus on that to the point where you're really only doing the things that matter and you got to find a way to kindly and politely without screwing up your brand, get the other junk out of the way or delegate it, you know? And so while I'm, I'm delegating like just a minute ago, I decided we're going to sell a couple of businesses, right? Like literally 30 minutes before this call. I got on a 10 minute call with a broker who I had a relationship with. I was like, Kevin, he's at FE international. I was like, Kevin, we want to sell these things. He's like, cool. Let me tell you how it works. I was like, I don't want to know how it works. Have your guy talk to my guy. Okay. Thanks. Bye. You know, I told him the important stuff. We talked about two or three factors that are going to weigh into like how much we can sell these businesses for, how long it's going to take and all that. That's really all that mattered. I just wanted to check off those boxes. Once we got that checked off, I talked to Ryan. I said, here's what matters. You know, and then I said, Ryan, make this happen, right? And this is like a, a lot of money that we're talking about. So big, important deal. But like, I don't need to control that. I'm, I told Ryan to check in with me. Let me see the stuff high level before he shares it and all that. So I'll have a little bit of oversight. But, you know, I don't need to be doing the legwork. Yeah. So it looks like uh, delegating and having somebody else come in and help you manage your task efficiently is one of the things that you have been you have been doing pretty well with pretty good with um on the personal and on i i guess on the as you said on the hr and um, calendaring thing but did you take that experience and knowledge and learning into um delegating and working with 
people, um, so, so there, there are two areas, right? One you said on the HR and this area, and then you have the other GM focusing on dev work. So on the dev side, do you guys also, um, how do you manage the delegation part there? Do you work with contractors and staffing companies there as well? Is that model like helping you or you know, how, how is that going on? Um, yeah, that's actually a really interesting topic. And I know we kind of pre-gamed this when we got together earlier. So um, I, I, I'm, I'm always learning. Um, and one of the things that we started trying to do a few years ago was outsource development. And um, I've known for a long time that I wanted to eventually get there. And then I got to the point where I was ready to start experimenting with it. I went into it from the very beginning, not thinking I was going to get it right the first time. Because I used to work at a big corporation with a whole outsourced army. And um, I knew the struggles that you have to overcome. I knew that you need... You need local uh, local guys there who can be experts and, and help with communication and project management. I knew all the challenges I was going to face. And I knew I wanted to start eventually and start small, but I also knew that we were probably going to suck at it for a while. And so I went to a partner and I said, here's what I want to do. And I, I never fooled myself that that partner was going to work out. But I gave it every chance, you know. And so I, I didn't overly invest or commit to those to those guys. I just said, look, we want to start experimenting with this. Can you help? I had some other guys I was talking to. I did the same thing with them. After two or three years of experimenting and figuring it out and seeing what works and seeing what doesn't work, um, we landed on what works for us. And what worked for us was finding a partner who was um, – a little bit closer than most of the world in terms of time zones. So we went with Brazil and we're looking at Uruguay as well. Um, we went with Brazil because the time zone's a lot closer. We went with a group that has um, like, like the, that's a cultural fit for us because on the software company that I run, uh, cause I have an agency and software companies as well as delegated. Um, but on the software side, like we're Rails. And so Rails kind of has a vibe and a culture. And so we wanted to work with like a group of devs that like are Rails devs. And I don't just mean like from a technology perspective, but I mean culturally they're Rails guys. And so and so um, that was really important. So finding the partner who was a Rails guy knew the Rails culture and could like, you know, vibe with us on that was super important. And And then we decided, you know, what we don't want because it didn't work for us was we didn't want warm bodies that we could throw at big dev projects and not have to worry about them interfacing with clients because we had intermediaries. But instead we went to our partner and we said, can you find us again, what works for us, highly Americanized Brazilians um, with good communication skills, first and foremost. And then secondly, we want senior level architects only. Because what we're selling at Simple Focus and what we're doing on, on the software side of the business is we're trying to have a lean team with, you know, whatever the closest you could think of is like a 10x developer. We want highly efficient, independent thinkers, problem solvers who are, you know, kind of tackling a project with like 
a one or two dev mentality. Like it's just me and this other guy working on this thing and we need to bang this out and do a really good job with it rather than, because we're, what we're not working on are um, dev projects at scale, at scale where we're providing for scrum teams or anything like that. What we're doing is high touch, um, very high quality, a triple plus work. And so we were like, look, can you get us guys that can communicate and be part of the team? We're going to bring these guys to like our annual lake trip. They're part of our culture. We give them the same benefits and holidays that the rest of our team gets and plenty of, you know, paid time off and all of that. We're going to treat everybody like part of our core team. They're just going to be in Brazil and they're going to make in Brazil what a junior dev would make here. So it's not like we're getting super cheap dev work. That, we're that more affordable. We're getting more affordable, high quality guys. That's what I I, I wanted to ask um, as well. Like different agencies have different reasons to go offshore or, or right. near shore, right? What I'm hearing from you, you so it seems like you wanted to go near shore or you know outsourced, not just because, well, it could be partly because of the, the price difference, but because the reason you, you put it that way is because you, you wanted somebody who is Americanized enough, who can fit into the culture, who can speak English, who can you know, do everything that your current team over here is doing. So for you, it was, it seems like it's only the cost reasons why you went offshore. Or there were some other challenges as well. I'm trying to understand what was the reason behind even you thinking about offshore. Uh, you know, it, it really was. It really, it really is cost. So in the U.S., to find the guys that we need from a talent perspective to support the customer expectation and the brand that we built, yeah, we 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 need guys that are going to cost us more than we can afford. Yeah, right. And so uh, recruiting and retaining talent in the U.S is becoming like, you know, an arms race. Like I, I can't compete in Memphis for the best Memphis developers because the best Memphis developers are working for Silicon Valley companies paying twice what we're, we're, what we're able to pay. Yeah. You know, and even with our lower cost of living in Memphis, we're still making California money. And, yeah. um, you know, it, it just doesn't, it just doesn't work for us to be able to find those guys fast enough. Yeah. And, and so part of it was the speed as well. Um, yeah. you know, cause what we can do is we can go find smart people who are younger, not as far along in their career and develop them over a few years. At that point we made a huge investment of time and, um, some of them might stay because of all the other reasons to stay. We've got a great culture and they like the work and they like the people and all that. Um, and you know, all that, but then a lot of them, you know, that investment we make in them, they're going to pack that up and, 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 and move on with their careers, which is their right. And we don't want to stop that. Right. Like yeah. when you're ready to move on, it's time, you know, that's great. We're happy for you. But um, if we're going to be building a team to support customers who have a need in the next two to three months, we can't spend two years developing somebody. Yeah. The other thing you mentioned that you at Simple Focus is also trying to build a lean team. So you never had uh, expectation to expand and grow big. So I think I would like to speak on that as well because many agency owners are also in similar situation where they are at a point where they need to decide, how should I think about growth? 
Should mm. I be expanding? Like if I want to expand, just put more bodies and just keep doing work and, you know, keep growing the business. But you said you did not want to go that way. I mean, at least that's what I understood. I want to sure. have you explain more on what you mean by having lean and just only have senior people on staff, don't right. want to just throw bodies. So what so, was the idea behind that? I have a business mentor who, when I was starting my agency, you know, 12 years ago, um, was asking me, he says, so are you guys like really good? And I was pretty humble at the time. I was like, we're all right. No. I mean, we could be better. Yeah. He said, but, but really though, like what, what, what's your aspiration? And I was like, well, I mean, we want to be really good and we want to grow that direction. And he said to me, you can make a lot more money with B players than A players at scale because what you have is a people business where you build by the time and to scale that you can't scale it with a, with a triple plus people. Yeah. You, you scale a business, a people business with B with B minus people, you know? And I was like, you know, that's a pretty, that's a pretty harsh insight, but it's true when you look at the business model. And so I've made a deliberate choice over the years that I I'm open to scaling at the right time. But what I want to build first is that gold, that golden brand, right? Where, where we are delivering exceptional work every time. And so I'm comfortable having lower, uh, lower headcount, higher margins. And you can do that kind of business with A plus players. And that's what our brand is supporting. And so when we go sell, that's what we've got to deliver, right? Now, interesting thing happens in the agency world when you talk, start talking about headcounts or um, like growth trajectories. You will learn that somewhere around one and a half to two and a half million dollars a year in revenue, at least in the US, right? Somewhere in that area, you enter the no man's land. And that is the area that you have you know, eight, 12, 15 employees, something like that, right? Let's call it 10 to 15 employees. And you're rocking and bebopping along and doing great. And then you hit that $2 million number and you're like, we can't break through. Or you do break through and then everything falls apart and you go back down to 12 people and you hit 1.8 million again the next year, right? And it's, it is like this, this big hurdle you've got to get over in the agency world. And I've talked to people who've come through the other side. And guess what? There's another side. It's about 25 or 30 people and three and a half million dollars in revenue or four million dollars in revenue. When you get through that like no man's land, you have to go into that no man's land with cash and growth in mind. You cannot go from 15 to 18 to 21 and sit at 21 or 22 people very easily in the agency model because the people who are producing revenue and billing work and the people required to support all of that doesn't balance out right. Mm -hmm. And your business is too expensive to run profitably at that size. You get to 30 people, you've broken through more than likely and you've got processes and redundancies in place and your production, your administrative overhead are all balanced out again. And so what where we're at right now is we're getting ready to kind of hit the accelerator and blow through that because now we've got 
I've, I've bumped up against this limit a couple of times and we're prepared this time. So we're, we're going to grow through it, we think. And, um, and that's going to mean having these A triple plus people on the team that we want, but we're prepared to add four or five, you know, B players again so that we can develop them over a couple of years, but just bring them on quick and make it cheaper and, and have them support the A triple plus team in the background, you know? So it is a tricky, it is a tricky area to be in. And that's kind of where we're at in terms of like trying to grow through that. that that's such a beautiful insight. You know, I, I, I wish we had more time. I know we have like 10 minutes more, but I really wanted to talk more on that because that mind shift, mind uh, set shift would happen at this time. Like the, what I'm hearing from you is basically you have been working in this model until now, but now you're going to change that. And to, to make that change, you need to change the philo basic philosophy you had earlier with working with only A plus people. Mm -hmm. Now, how to switch gear and then, you know, how, where do you want to go is totally. Well, get, getting know. the process right for yeah. continuing to deliver the A plus work yeah. that, that you're known for while delivering a lot more of it. Right. Well, and yeah. even as you grow from that too, bringing people on to support that, your B players, mm -hmm. what that looks like, your tent, and then your A's aren't doing the work, they're reviewing the work and training and mentoring and culture and all the other stuff. Delegating. But there, see, full circle. I see what you did right. there. Yeah. Um, so the, the, you know, the people that we've been, you know, developing for the last 10, 12 years that I've had on the team for that long, literally since yeah. the beginning are to the points in their careers where they're having to make decisions around opportunity costs. What's the most important thing for me to do? Do I need to have my, my hands on the mouse and keys right now? Or do I need to be, you know, bringing up the youngins? Mm -hmm. It's a, I feel like we could do like a three part series on this conversation alone. I think it. this is, well, this is one of those struggles too. Even when you start out teeny tiny, how do you break through that initial? I feel like there's a couple of those barriers that you're hitting. And even at a certain point, you know, um, well, this was, uh, you know, we're watching the clock a little bit. I'm glad to get a little bit of your time today for this conversation. You know, thanks so much for, for the chat. Varun, any final questions? No. Any burning I mean, thoughts? I, I, I have so many questions, but <laughs> I'm probably going to ask JD to come again and continue the discussion you know you guys are being yeah. so nice about, I feel like about my about my timeline like I, I i'm not super important i don't have like some something that i've like some very important business thing i've got to go to so <laughs> interesting well, mm -hmm. um, well where people can find you i got a laundry list where people if they want to connect with you right. as they're listening the linkedin the twitter right uh simplefocus.com you have a personal website, graph.am. It'll be posted wherever you're listening to this in the comments and the commentary. And then you also have a book, CSS for Print Designers, um, if I'm not yeah, mistaken. That was so. published in 2011. It's full of wisdom that still applies today, but it never really took off, although it's on a pretty good label. Okay, there you go. Man of many talents. Well, Thank you so much. You know, Thanks. that's it, everyone, for today's episode. If you learned something or laughed, tell somebody about the podcast. See you next time. Thanks for listening. Find our other episodes on agencies.build.com. Plus, we're listed anywhere you find your favorite podcast.